0: Welcome back to Share the Load. I'm Mia Schachter, and today I'm talking to Brooke her, who is a friend and a colleague.
1: Um, and I'll let you introduce yourself. Yeah, thanks, Mia. Um, I'm Brooke. I've also been going by Brooks sometimes too lately, so we're trying that out. And um I still haven't figured out a super concise way to introduce what I do, but more or less, I, I work at the intersection of like mental health, somatic care, and spirituality.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like it's worth mentioning that we met when I lived, when we both lived in Brooklyn and you were a tattoo artist. That was how I found you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was a ceramicist and we did some exchanges so like some trades and um became friends kind of through that and then our both of our work like took very different paths Mm -hmm. um and then kind of like converged
1: um yeah great I really haven't thought about that pathway but I think it is interesting to think about these points of contact in artwork and then Mm -hmm. like a little space where the lines open and make kind of like an almond shape and come back together
0: yeah yeah um so when did you start working with grief like how did you know that that was something that you wanted to be working with
1: Hmm. um you know i I think that me and grief, I think that people who get into grief work, usually it's like folks who have experienced a lot of grief and that in my world really has looked like, like I have a really big relationship to non-death losses. They just have been really impactful part of who I am and, and like grieving in some ways, uh, felt like really unsupported until my early twenties. And I had a lot of losses all at once. I got really sick, um, and like dove into four years of chronic illness. I lost my first love relationship. Um, I had an affair with someone, which I had never done. So like, I lost all sorts of self concept, like Mm -hmm. boundaries of, you know, who I am and what I'm capable of and and like in that time there was someone in my life not my therapist but she was a therapist and she was sort of able to validate with such clarity that i was grieving i mean she used that word first of all and then um i remember she said about the relationship she said yeah you're grieving you know it's it's not a death death but it's the death of a dream and that Mm. was like I think that was this really pivotal moment where I started to learn how to hold myself differently in losses. And then from there, kind of realized, like, I just feel these things really big, sometimes bigger than other people, you know, in my life or in my family or in my friend group. And um, I, I'm really moved, you know, by like, how often I'm feeling grief and all the different ways it can feel. So it kind of came from this personal constancy of being like, why am I always grieving? Mm-hmm. Um, it sounds sad, but it's really not. It's like an affinity. I just feel like me and grief came in came in here together, and I'm just doing this dance with it. But I really haven't had that much experience with like, for instance, death losses. So I'm I'm. I find that like my area of expertise is really invalidating those ambiguous spaces where a loss has happened but maybe it's hard to acknowledge it or maybe it's like an internal shift in your sense of who you are um, mm. or you know the losses that happen in relationships. Mm-hmm.
0: And then how did consent start to make its
1: way in there? Mm. I think through tattooing, like before mm-hmm. I had the words for boundaries and consent work, like you have kind of, um, I want to say like consolidated or like congealed it into this mm-hmm. framework that you have built um, and built in collaboration with like other people's frameworks. Before I had that language, I was tattooing and like there was a lot of grief work happening in that work. Um, Tamara Santibanez was doing like sharing their work on tattooing as trauma care in like the early stages of it and was really inviting like those of us in the field who felt ourselves burning out a bit or felt ourselves like swimming in stuff we didn't know how to hold. Um, And that's when I first learned about trauma informed care and one of my clients who I was talking to about it, and I was like, I was kind of like, I don't really know what trauma informed care means, but I'm going to do this workshop. I'm really excited to find out what it means. And um, she had more experience. And she said, I think it means mostly it has to do with like control, and putting the control in the hands of in my case, like with tattooing, like putting the Mm -hmm. control in the hands of the client. Mm -hmm. Um, And that feels for me, like that moment, was a major portal into thinking about what are we doing together? What's the agreement of this space? And what are my, like, what are the dimensional ways that I'm practicing consent in each moment with you, but not in that like sterile or like paranoid way, but in this like really dynamic, dancey, non-verbals included kind of uh, attunement. Does that make sense? The way I yeah, that? yeah, yeah, for sure.
0: I'm also just loving Lucha bathing in the sun upside down right there.
1: Yeah. My cat I, is in the background.
0: Yeah, with like sun stripes like on your bed. And my cat is on my lap and she just fell into such a deep sleep that her head is like falling. Oh, she woke up.
1: Oh. <laughs> um
0: that's so interesting. That was not what I was expecting you to say um yeah what were you expecting me to say well not tattooing I mean I guess I just thought about like the ways that we've talked about grief coming up in learning about boundaries and consent around like and maybe it's worthwhile for me to share like the few ways that I've seen it come up again and again it's usually about grief for how different your life could have been
1: mm-hmm
0: had you known this stuff sooner? Like when people start to learn about consent and boundaries. Yeah. Um, grief for the ways that you cross your own boundaries.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, you know, pushed yourself past your limits, violated your own consent. Um, grief for the relationships that change or fall away entirely as you start to stand up for yourself or learn who you are and you know express your boundaries and say no mm-hmm. and then also grief for like realizing that you've hurt people but yeah. you've like done things that you you know would do differently now or like um yeah like wish you hadn't done there I think a lot of people when they let themselves really experience kind of a flood of like wow, I was not, you know, I was not utilizing these principles in a way that like fully allowed other people to say no to me or like, I really did push that person to do things that they do something they didn't want to do. Or, um, and then I think, you know, you kind of said it like the way that that, um, can lead to feelings of loss around like your sense of self, like your idea of yourself as good or bad or whatever um or safe or yeah yeah yes so in terms of your question like the question that I was asking you and then like how I thought you were going to respond like I thought it was a lot less about like or less concrete than that like I just thought it was more kind of like well you started learning about this stuff and then all this grief came up and then you were like oh look it's grief you know
1: right yeah (laughs) I think that sometimes when I am asked like when's the when's the moment that you like started to connect these dots. From here, hindsight's twenty twenty, so I, I can um I can really see the earlier like moments yeah. that, where some curiosity began. But hmm. I think like I started to give language to this stuff much later, maybe when i was seeing you we were like trading sometimes as clients like before Uh the educator training but after starting to use the language that you and i like would use now in Mm -hmm. boundaries and consent work with clients and students because also that was like happening i was working with you at a time when It's funny. I just did this assignment for my human growth and development class for I'm in grad school for mental health counseling at the moment, which, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and I just did this assignment where we had to make a timeline of our life, like any shape or graphic representation doesn't have to be a line. And I used a spiral. So I'm just really thinking at the moment of my life in these like uh, several year long loops, kind of. Mm. And the time that you and I were trading as practitioners, when we were first developing the things we do now. Yeah, it was a huge time of loss, very similar to like my early 20s, where a lot came to a head. At once, I also was leaving a relationship, I was coming out as genderqueer. I think we were working together a little bit before that. But it was part of the process of like, unearthing a lot. And at that time, letting go of a lot of ideas about who I would be in my future and how that would relate to the models that I'd seen. Lots of grief about like having a really different life than my parents. Mm -hmm. So, and all of that really, now I'm getting lost in the story a little bit. So maybe I'll pass it back and see if we can anchor it. Well, you
0: were talking about the the spiral and like seeing it as a spiral, which
1: I, I love that. Yeah. So like, I think that a lot gets clarified for me in the times when I'm experiencing grief, like a lot comes into clarity about grief. And this other period of major grief in my life was also a time when I was seeing you and we were talking about these ideas and looking Mm -hmm. at how these energies and currents run through our relationships and communication. So they were kind of naturally meeting in my field.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting we've like also had somewhat parallel like gender discovery journeys. Mm-hmm. And yeah, career stuff like building the practices that we both work mm-hmm. in now. Um So can you talk about like some of the um like practical tools that you have to assist people in moving through grief or identifying maybe first and then like moving through it
1: yeah um yeah i can so the first i think like the first one and the one i emphasize the most like in the educator training where we're where i'm working with people who are going to hold space for other people Mm-hmm. is really the power of acknowledgement with grief which just like, can't be understated, you know, mm-hmm. there is important to have ways to then do more than that. But I think that that one, if you only had one, that one is the one to know. Mm-hmm. And like, it's really relevant with friends and family and loved ones as well, when they're going through grief. And you and I have talked about how it can be really counterintuitive when you want someone when you want to help someone feel better to like, basically stay with the thing that hurts. Mm. Yeah. Mm. But that tends to be like the, the primary or like if there's a foundation to all of the things that we do, it's like the non denial of the experience that you're having is really, really important and having other people who can see it and say, I see how powerful this is for you, or how much this hurts, or how much this is affecting you. Um, And then on top of that, there's like, I've started thinking about grief, support and tools, whether I'm supporting someone else, or I'm supporting myself, I've started thinking about it a little bit in terms of the different like, ways grief feels and the different parts of my life that it affects. So I have certain tools for really acute moments of emotion when like, you know, the tears are just coming. And it doesn't matter if I'm on the subway. I don't live in New York City anymore, but that always feels like the example of like an inconvenient moment to cry. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so I have tools for like moments of acute emotion, I, I might use different tools to like to support the body it's really intense on our body to grieve and there's all kinds of effects that happen to our appetite and our sleep um so that's like one section of the toolkit and then there's some like i've found that defining kind of like finding agency somewhere can be really helpful Um, I've started to look at how this relates to like the idea of domains and boundaries and consent, Mm.
0: like using,
1: yeah, um, using the dome, like defining my domain of responsibility and control as a way to like, really, I don't know, plant my feet in grief and come out of like that really swimmy place where we might be like bargaining, like if I just could, you know, convince them, or if I can just um, say or do the right thing, like this rift will heal or um, the like, the the kind of grieving where it's really frenetic and we feel like there's something to do and we're not sure what it is. Um, domains seem to be really helpful and grounding for that. Mm,
0: that's really interesting. I I haven't thought about domains in a while. That's something that I learned from Betty Martin. Mm-hmm. And then funny I've kind of like forgotten about that building block
1: yeah I know I relearned it in a container with Psy X who does um, pleasure ceremony and they were holding this container about cultivating erotic joy Mm. uh, working with them in that context and they went over domains and I was like very moved very moved Mm. by that Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm going to look back into that cuz I feel like there
0: I've had some like shifts recently in terms of like what I feel is in my within my domain of control or what I'm willing yeah. to have in my yeah. domain of control. Like there's just things around me that I no longer wish to try to have control over.
1: Um Hmm. well and with grief like it hearing you say that makes me think you know so much of the emotion is around the things that I actually can't
0: control. yeah
1: like a lot of the emotion that raises up so something I'll say now that I think is really also was really a game changer for me with grief is that grief is not really or I don't I don't think of it anymore as a singular emotion but it's like uh it's a type of experience like that contains many emotions so it's a reaction Mm -hmm. that we have to loss or change it's a natural reaction to feel grief and it's a little confusing to say to feel grief and then say it's not an emotion Mm. the, the reason i say it's not a singular emotion is that like it contains anger frustration despair um Sadness. It even contains like moments of love or joy, like when we re- are remembering with love, you know, someone that's not in our life anymore. Or if I go with like a part of me, like when I think back to the me that was really highly moralistic before I did a bunch of things I never thought I would do, you know, mm-hmm. and like turned out to be harder than I thought to like follow my own codes. Yeah, that person is like a little funny to me, and like I kind of have affection for them. Um, Yeah, and so, like, those sorts of nostalgic sensations can also be inside of grieving, um, and a part of grieving and letting go. So, why did I say that, Mia? (laughs) There was something before that where I felt like I needed to pause and say, Grief is not a feeling. Oh, so many of the emotions that come up in the process of grieving like come up because we're we're meeting the edge of our control
0: Mm, oh that's really interesting I feel like this is a good moment to stop and say that you're teaching a class on grief within the realm of boundaries and consent Mm -hmm. um that is going to start November 8th um we're changing the date it's four weeks and then we're going to skip uh, Thanksgiving week. So it'll be, it'll end December 6th. um, And it'll be, yeah, four sessions of like a lot of diving into this stuff. And um, I mean, I kind of see it as a really beautiful opportunity for a little bit of like rebirth, yeah. like let yourself, you know, you said like sit with the grief instead of try to like deny it and to kind of let yourself sit with it so that you can like come out the other side having allowed yourself to change yeah Oof, yeah this is mia hey it's risden and we're here to tell you about a new podcast that we're making Mm -hmm. called you're doing Doing it wrong Wrong. (laughs) with a twink and a whore that's us yeah it's going to be kind of like a 2.0 to share the load, going a little deeper, a little freer um, into consent, cancellation, and sex work, mm, divesting from binaries, and leftist pillow talk. Oh, yes,
1: lots of leftist
0: infighting. Let's
1: mm-hmm. see.
0: And all things related. Yeah. It's available wherever you get your podcasts. So listen, just listen and know that you're probably doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. Yeah, Yeah. you're definitely doing it wrong. Sorry. It's actually really beautiful timing that we're having this conversation because we're between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. And my, not only my rabbi's sermon, but then like it has come up a lot in the Jewish um like activities that I've done over the last couple weeks it seems to be just a theme of this time of year um is change and transition and and the cycles of that like the rabbi was describing in his sermon spiral time like Mm -hmm. what you're talking about where it's like you know like yes we have these cycles of like um or wait was the rabbi describing it or was this at a different event. I don't remember, but someone was talking the rabbi was talking about change and transition and letting yourself die so that you can create. That was how he was describing it. Um he or someone else was talking about the idea of spiral time where it's like yes, we have these cycles, you know, of the year and of the seasons and stuff and we come back to this point, but we're never the same when we return to this point. Like we're always moving upwards and outwards um you know accumulating new experiences and new parts of ourselves and going deeper into other things and learning and you know bringing new eyes to to the cycle um and how that the and then the rabbi was he was definitely talking about also like this idea of like repetition yeah you know these cycles of like and, and I, I sort of interpreted that as like, well, cause he was talking about, you know, that we like, we repeat mistakes, we repeat patterns, but that we learn and we grow and they change inevitably. And I was also thinking about the idea, you know, this like running theme in a lot of my work, which is practice, like mm-hmm. just practice, practice, practice. Um, You know, when you practice, you will get better. Like there's sort of no argument to the contrary, you know, yeah, you do yeah. it more, you go deeper. Like that's just how it works. And I think it also gets easier the more you do it. And like grief, I think is a thing like that consent is a thing like that, you know, stating your boundaries, saying no, like with practice, those things become easier and kind of like richer.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, This is making me think, I don't know if you can hear the train. I can. Yeah, Yeah, I love it. Yeah, like, I think, um, well, you know this, I always feel a little nervous when I'm, like, speaking in a public way or recording. And so there's, like, part of me that's reviewing my answer in this moment, part of me that's reviewing my answer to your question about, like, tools Mm -hmm. and holding grief. And it really strikes me that like, what you're saying about practice and grief feels very true. There's some there's a couple of things about it. One, it's like, it's shocking. Every time I get plunged back into deep grief, it shocks me how easily I forget how intense it is, even as someone mm. who works with it, and like, is, you know, supposedly, according to myself narrative, like, in this long dance with it. It's like, i can't ever remember quite you know like how much it hurts unless i'm hurting that much um and it doesn't always not all grief is the same like size or shape but recently my partner and i decided to split and change from being romantic partners to being friends and i was taking a class on grief in grad school (laughs) and was like almost it was like almost laughable the difference of stance once i was in grief from the two weeks prior when i was like quote unquote studying grief Mm, mm -hmm. um so there's that piece where it's like i never want to downplay or like lose sight of how much it feels sometimes like when we're grieving sometimes it feels like everything is falling apart within us around us underneath us and having just kind of bend through the ringer with it, I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. This deep reverence for the totality of the feeling. Um right. particularly when something tragic happens. Like there's some kinds of grief that are just so, so intense. Um or if you're like me, it doesn't have to be like a major tragedy. It can just be a life event and it's like so, so intense. But um but so like there was that happening, that layer of like, oh gosh, I forgot. <laughs> and now swimming in this big feeling, that's so much bigger than I remembered. But I was also had had just studied all of these tangible concrete things you can support a client in like building a routine around and encourage them to make art about their grief and like, um, you know, talk about how to ask for very specific forms of help uh, from like loved ones like, like meal schedules and like, meal support, or like, can you help me move or all these sorts of things that interact with communication and boundaries and consent. And because all that had just been kind of like, um, very quickly crammed into my mind. In school, I had like this very robust toolkit to meet this moment of immense feeling. And it was kind of cool to be like, it works. I made, uh, I made a uh, did a school assignment of like an art journal entry. And like, I felt, I do not say better, but kind of better, like after drawing about my grief, and seeing these tools in action during a time when things were really hard, or like another one is like letting yourself sleep when you're tired and not feeling like not doing an added layer of suffering of shaming if you can't sleep at night, or you need a nap in the middle of the day. And so for a few weeks, I was just so odd. My relationship to sleep was I was in and out. Some days I slept three hours. Some days I slept nine or 10 and just the like permission to let that happen. And then knowing that it would eventually level out Mm. was really potent. So yeah, it is practice and it does get different. And I want to say one more thing about it, like the why of why we might do the practice, it's not just that I felt better, because a lot of the time, I didn't feel better. But I was able to be the more the person that I wanted to be through that change, the difference of this partnership changing form, and the grieving that we were able to do together, even like doing a ritual together, or having a communication about me moving out, like all of that was so much more in line with my integrity. And so also, I got to experience a lot more like intimacy and connection with them and with other people and myself through that, that grief process. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's like the why, what why it's worth practicing, because it really changes who we can be through that transformation. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. It's. I'm hearing a lot of like intimacy with self. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. And like greater capacity and specificity with my vulnerability when it mm-hmm. came to others. Like, not. You know, there's this one day as you can tell. I use I like really draw on personal experience to organ organize these thoughts. Um, But you know, there was one day where I just like was feeling so much and I didn't know where to put it. Um, And I wanted so badly to like put it in someone else's lap. You know, it's just like, who can I call who is available scrambling? And you know, moments like where you're like wanting to text your ex a deluge of the hurt. And I just was like, able to kind of be like this is not really the intimacy like i want with them you know this is Mm -hmm. not really the intimacy or like the friend that i wanted and felt comfortable having that kind of moment with wasn't available and so i was like willing to wait a few hours Mm -hmm. rather than reach for anyone so i think there's more choice and like specificity about the vulnerability of grief with others when like I have more tools because I had some help that I could give myself to sit through those three hours of big feeling before someone could meet me there.
0: Yeah. Hearing you talk about the like the way that you forget how intense the pain is until you're in it. I mean, in just a lot of the things that you just said towards the end there, like it's, it's for me bringing up illness Mm-hmm. And how, like, so quickly, so I've now had these, like, two periods of, like, um, healing, I guess. Like, one after 30 years of undiagnosed chronic illness, like, getting my diagnoses and then going through treatment and starting to improve for a couple months before mm-hmm. getting sick again for almost three years, not knowing why thinking it was the same old stuff and then discovering last summer that it was a tapeworm Mm
1: -hmm.
0: um, when the tapeworm came out. Um, And I've been, well, yeah. One thing is like, as soon as I started feeling better in like both of those periods, so fast, my mind starts kind of like gaslighting myself. Like it Mm -hmm. couldn't have been that bad because like you're fine or like it couldn't have been that bad because you didn't kill yourself like that's a thought yeah. that I have yeah. a lot you know yeah. um like it couldn't have been that bad because like look at what you've been able to accomplish mm-hmm. which is like is that me or is that like capitalism you know what I mean it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. why was I able to accomplish all of this uh because I was like trying to prove that I was like a worthwhile addition to society and like you know whatever um but but the other piece here is that it has come with so much grief, so yeah. much grief around hell stuff, like figuring out what was going on, feeling like, Oh my God, I wish I had known this sooner. It really does parallel like the consent grief that I was talking about. Like if I had only known what I know now, yeah, how different my life would have been. And I wrote a song about it. That's in the musical. And it goes, how different my life could have been had I known what I know now
1: yeah
0: um and then the chorus is like when can I call this body a home I can't go Mm -hmm. home I can't go home and it's like both about the illness but also like gender stuff
1: yeah
0: um and you know the the grief around like a tapeworm coming out of me and me realizing like I could have solved this problem years ago and like not have had to live like this mm. and then also how fast i f- forgot and then the grief that i'm experiencing now as i'm working on my book where i'm drawing from um my journal entries to sort of use this like window of time from early 2021 to late 2022 um And, you know, every single day I'm like, there's something wrong with me. I feel horrible. I'm suddenly so nauseous. I pulled over Mm -hmm. last night to throw up. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I got a migraine for the first time ever. I have insomnia. I can't sleep. Mm -hmm. I'm sleeping too much. Like, I feel weird. Like, just, I feel so strange. Like, I don't feel like myself. I feel so disconnected. Like all these things that, you know, I, I had really begun to internalize as like, this is like, like there, there is something wrong with me. And, um, and so now in this process of rereading and like observing the pain from this distance, there's a lot of grief for that person,
1: Yeah,
0: like so much grief and compassion and empathy for like what that person is going through. And it's so frustrating from this future point. To, like, know the answer and not be able to go back and tell them, like, there's actually a worm living in you, like, taking your nutrients. Like, there's nothing wrong with you.
1: Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I think, I mean, grief around health stuff is is also really powerful and I think does feel very much kind of, like, wrapped up in the same kind of grief that we've been talking about.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And something that you're, something that I like say a lot uh, It when I'm teaching about grief is that it can happen in response to positive change, quote unquote positive mm-hmm, change too. Mm-hmm. And it's a little, you know, in some ways, like your story illustrates that. Um, and we can yeah. have like that retroactive grief that comes up once we're okay yeah you know whatever that means once we're sort of at relative safety there's like the room to grieve Mm -hmm. that is not there when we're in crisis um and then also that sometimes it's even more uh you didn't name this but something that i feel a little bit around just certain kinds of like wellness or illness or um unwellness is like i'll get a little bit connected to who i am when i'm sick or uh like i feel this a little bit with my um, mental health diagnoses like i i like identify a lot with ocd and how that's shaped me and also uh I don't want to like lose some parts of that person. Um, and so when we change or like experience relief from the grief, sometimes this thing happens where it's like, I don't quite know who I am in this new level of thriving or like this new mm-hmm. level of ease or health um, or financial well being, like whatever it is. That's also a really normal, natural part of that change is to kind of be saying goodbye to all this resiliency that you built in that mm-hmm. in that other time or, um, mm-hmm. yeah.
0: I love that you brought up resiliency and I'll just share this quick story and then I feel like we should wrap up. Cool. Um. After I got my diagnoses in 2019 and I started to do better and I started intimacy coordinating. And so I was more like financially independent. Um, my, my parents had been paying for my like health expenses. Um, and I got to a point where I felt like I could take that on. Um, and I wanted to repay them for part of what they had given me. Mm-hmm. Um, and because I was doing so much better, I wrote them this letter saying thank you, expressing a lot of gratitude and saying, you know, I'm, I'm where I am now in this journey, like, because of you guys, um, I had to be so resilient in order to get here, but I feel like I'm in a place now where I can let go of that resiliency. Mm. Like I no longer need to be resilient. So, and then my kind of like prayer was like, here's to no more resiliency in 2020. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which yeah. now is like such a fucking joke. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um,
0: and then I, and I sent them a check and they they refused to deposit it, which was sweet, but they really appreciated the sentiment. And mm-hmm. I was glad that I got to, to feel like, I was glad that I felt like I was in a place where that was like a thing that I could do, both send the check and say like, goodbye resiliency. Like I'm good. I don't need yeah. to fight anymore for this. And then, um, yeah, a little bit of that grief that you're talking about, around, like that's been a part of my every single day
1: yeah. yeah, is
0: like figuring out how to just make it through the day. And then like, without that, there's a little bit of like, yeah, who am I without that? And then of course the pandemic happened.
1: <laughs> right, 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 <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, there's, I mean, that just feels like such a, uh, beautiful ritual and you know yeah. that's a major that's a major like structure I work with that idea of symbolic action and grief mm-hmm. and ritual are very connected and symbolic actions of goodbye of celebration of severance um yeah funerals like, yeah all these things are really important I wonder Oh, go ahead.
0: Well, to that point, I forgot a part of the story that actually like has a lot to do with you, I think, which is that I as part of this ritual, like in writing this letter, I did some doodles on like just meditating on gratitude and like doodling mm-hmm. and just seeing what came out. And then one of the doodles I really liked. And so I tattooed it on my hand yeah. on this acupuncture point that is like the large intestine point that was a point that had for a long time been extremely painful for me through getting the acupuncture support for this particular treatment mm-hmm. and what I was dealing with. And then the pain there had essentially gone away and it was like no longer a point that they felt like they had to do every time I went. So mm-hmm. I, so like as part of that kind of ritual, I put that tattoo, like this gratitude tattoo
1: right on the point. Love it. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> I know we need to wrap up. But I'm wondering, sometimes, like, uh, I try to think about, like, what are the things that if someone listening could, like, be like, but wait, can you just, you know, define, and is there anything, like, in our own familiarity and conversation that we kind of, like, forgot to define, forgot to say, I mean, something I'm thinking about is, is like, you know, we kind of are, we're talking about grief in relationships and grief related to like self and development of self and changes but um and and you did define like the four things where you see mm-hmm. grief coming up in boundaries and consent um another one that i added into the curriculum for the grief courses that i'm teaching with you is like grief about oppression and when you were sharing about mm-hmm. When you were sharing about that feeling of like grieving for past self like if i had known then what i know now mm-hmm. i was thinking about how constant that is for me like i i was like oh that's a grief that never goes away from me I, or at least not yet I and mean, we'll see but i i feel like it visits me now and again in these little uh bubbling up of some grief about younger me or um things i i i didn't know how to navigate and didn't navigate well or things that would have made me feel less alone if i'd known them and like grief about oppression feels like one a a grief that is like that where it it really needs to be like heard and held and and expressed Mm -hmm. in Certain ways, and it's also like kind of always there. Um, mm-hmm. So that's something that that's another one where I feel like when I learned to name that and not be scared of the acknowledgement, like not be afraid that that would make me feel worse or the person I'm holding space for feel worse, mm-hmm. that was a a major like shift in, in my ability to hold that kind of grief differently.
0: That's really interesting. I feel like there's, there's like sort of two sides of that grief that are coming up for me. One is like, before you're aware that you've ever been oppressed, Mm -hmm. you know, depending on someone's identity, Mm -hmm. like so much grief can come in when you start to understand like, oh, all these things I've been experiencing have been because of these like larger systems of oppression yeah. Like that can bring up a lot of grief. And then the second part is like also depending on you know various aspects of your identity, but there's a like a huge overlap like recognizing ways that you've participated in oppressing mm-hmm. others. And that's not like a one to one like binary, you know, oppressor oppressed. Right. Like, right. I would say most of us probably yeah, have both like in our experience
1: yeah and the second also can be like the internalization you know yeah exactly some of the major grief i feel around like homophobia and transphobia are the the messages i've internalized about myself that came out when i came out where i was like holy shit you know i can't believe these words are inside of me yeah um yeah and and like that first group that you were mentioning you know like there's also this layer of even for folks i'm trying to think if this is true i think like people have to run this through their own sieve and see if this is true for them i don't know if it's true but it it occurred to me too that like knowing knowing that we are in an identity that experiences oppression is really different from seeing fully the ways that impacts our body the movement mm. our, our communication how we react and change situation to situation for survival reasons like that kind of flooding in of oh my god how this has shaped me that feels relevant to boundaries and consent work totally because it starts to tune in on that detailed somatic level like you know how has this landed in my body and myself yeah yeah
0: and what has to change to kind of like, like, if I want this to change, what actually has to like shift inside?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: All right, Brooke. Yeah. Well, great to see you and to talk to you as always. Great to
1: see you too. Yeah. Um, and I am teaching that class and it won't all be heavy. There's like yeah. lots of, there are moments of like levity or, you know, real connection you know, talking about this stuff. We ended on you know kind of a weighty yeah
0: big thing. yeah right uh and i'm teaching boundaries and consent for people pleasers again that starts october 5th that's on thursdays and then i'm doing the um i called it train the trainer last time i'm calling it for practitioners the yes to no spectrum um that's happening again in november that's a five day like week long five days in a row um and then i'm gonna be taking a break until the new year Ooh, that's taking great. a break yeah What's that? anything else you want to share i mean you're in school you're doing a lot
1: there's always so much i oh you mean like about my work life yeah anything
0: you want to like about let everyone know about
1: yeah sure i mean i think like in terms of classes on the horizon, this one is the main one, and then I probably also won't be teaching anything until the new year, anything new, but um, because I'm in school and pulled in so many different directions, I am not so often sending out, like, reminders that I do work with individuals in the email list and on Instagram and stuff, but since I'm here, I'll say, like, I love, love, love the work that I do one-on-one with people, and that can be about grief, it can also be about all kinds of other things. Um, So yeah, if anybody is like, likes my vibe, (laughs) feels like they'd like to do some Reiki or uh, some tarot, or some develop some rituals, um, I am around for that. And my tarot classes are evergreen. So those are always there. The class on the major arcana, and the class on the minors. That is asynchronous on Teachable. And I really poured my heart and soul into it. So it's fun when people sign up and I see that someone's gonna utilize it. Cool.
0: All right, Brooke and Lucha. I'll see you all later. Bye, Okay. (laughs) Bye. Bye.